give God great praise. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody dance. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Just give God praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, it feels good in the house of the Lord. It feels good in God's presence. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes we just, you know, we, give, we always give God praise because he's worthy. But there's also a time when we give God praise just to let hell know uh, that we still got our praise. Amen. That you, you might have attacked me, you might have come against me, but I've still got a praise for Jesus. He's still worthy, and nothing's going to hinder my praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord here today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. I also want to say it is so good to have Sister Amber back in the house of the Lord with us. Welcome home. It's also good to have her cousin Aiden back in the house of the Lord with us. He was here on Sunday, and we're glad to have you. Amen. I asked him how long he's, he's here, and uh, he said, well, just, just for the week. I said, well, for now, for now, for now. We're going to get you the rest of the way. Amen. Because once you come to Nevada, Nevada means home. You just got to move in. Praise God. And so, amen. Matthew chapter 7 and uh, verse number 12, and then we're going to be turning open to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we want to remember uh, this, that there's several that are out traveling, and we want to keep them in prayer that God would keep them safe. And then also, uh, let's make sure we do whatever it takes to be here in the house of the Lord on Sunday. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be really good. Uh, God's going to do great things. We've been praying and fasting. And again, if you haven't had a chance to pray or fast, pick it, pick it, uh, one of the days that's left in this week and just get a hold of Jesus and pray and, uh, and take a church car with you and invite somebody to come with you. It, it, there's miracles that are available, and uh, there's, there's, we just, there's some people that just need a couple friends. There was a man that was paralyzed, but he had some friends that brought him to Jesus. And we got a world that's paralyzed, but we got some friends in the house of the Lord that know how to get them and where to get them. Amen? So invite somebody to come with you, pick them up, put them in your car, hand them 20 bucks, get them here, whatever you got to do. Just, just get them to come to the house of the Lord, and I believe in God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. God will touch them. And, uh, and we're going to be blessed by a mighty word from my pastor. And uh, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, biased on this, but he's my favorite preacher. So I'm looking forward to hearing it and uh, having him come and minister to us in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. We're going to continue on in our teaching of holy habits. This will be part 12. Amen. He said, therefore, all things. Everybody say all things. Just the things I like. Just a couple things, just when I feel like it. Therefore, all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Another translation puts it this way. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, treat them. For this is the very essence of of the law and the prophets. And then Galatians chapter 5 and verse 14. Galatians 5 and 14, the Bible says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Got to love people the way you love yourself. We're really good at loving ourselves, aren't we not? Amen. I, I love me. You may not love me, but I love me. Amen. I eat well enough to say I love me. And I know you love you. And Jesus said, in all the law and the commandments and the law and the prophets, you fulfill these when you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I'm going to talk to us tonight, Holy Habits Part 12. We're going to talk about the golden rule. Everybody say the golden rule. Amen. Let's lift up our hands and let's sit down our Bibles. Let's pray all across this house that God would touch us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for an opportunity to dive deeper into your word this year. 
I'm praying, Lord, that, that this would this would go so deep into our souls, God, that this would get down in our heart, get into the marrow of our bones. God, let it become part of our DNA, part of who we are. And God, I pray that it would start to manifest itself in our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. Man, the golden rule. This verse is the one that we have often heard, as I'm teaching even tonight, referred to as the golden rule. But what really is the golden rule? The golden rule is a principle. It is the principle of reciprocity, which, which simply means the practice of exchanging things with others that provides mutual benefit. This is the summation of Jesus' ethical teachings regarding our treatment of others. Amen. I wish that we could just all worship God and serve Him and lift up our voice and shout and that that would take care of everything written down in this book. But most of this book is in relation to other people. Amen. It's how we treat one another. That's the other part of Christianity that is a little more challenging uh, because God is perfect and God is loving and God is good and God does miracles and God blesses and God brings favor and God's just a great God. Amen. He's just, he's awesome. But people aren't always good <laughs> and people aren't always giving and people aren't always loving and people aren't always kind and sometimes people are quite difficult. And so this part of the word of God is probably our most challenging part. Amen. The golden rule is a fundamental principle of life that has been recognized and celebrated by just about every religion, every culture, every philosopher throughout history. It is a principle that has the power to transform relationships, communities, and ultimately, if it's enacted, we can change the world. Amen. The beauty of the golden rule lies in its simplicity and its versatility making it relevant to all people of all ages and all backgrounds. Every generation can enact the golden rule, and it will make their generation better. Its impact can be seen in, in the way that it inspires people to treat others with kindness, with empathy, and with respect. In this lesson, we're going to talk about the golden rule for a little bit. I want to take this verse, and I want to break the golden rule down into its moving parts. The first word that we find is the word therefore. Therefore is a term of conclusion. It means in light of or because of. The question is posed, because of what? Well, because of the previous verses that we've been talking about. In other words, when we look at the previous verses, we find Jesus speaking, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Because everyone that asks shall receive, and everyone that seeks will find, and everyone that knocks it shall be open unto them. And he says, which of you, uh, if your child asks you of something, will you give them the opposite thing they're asking for? And he begins to surmise that if we who are frail and fragile, that those of us that are not perfect, if we as imperfect, and Jesus even puts it this way, evil, he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give unto them that ask? And so when Jesus is using the word therefore in how we should treat one another, he is doing a direct correlation to how God is to us. In light of, amen, the previous verses that we see, because we have a loving Father that provides for us when we ask, that finds when we are seeking, that opens up when we are knocking, because we have a Father that is always giving to us, that is always loving us, that is always showing forth His blessings and good things on us. Because of this, we should have such an abundance of love and an abundance of blessing that it causes us to automatically live out and express the golden rule. Hallelujah. Therefore... Amen. When we consider how good God has been to us, how can we be any less good to other people? Amen. I'm going to talk about this here tonight. 
when we consider how good God has been to us, amen, when I think about how loved I am, and, and I've talked about this before, amen, people often fall to the level they feel loved. And when you see somebody mistreating somebody else, hurting people hurt people. What's really the issue is they don't feel loved. And it's often not the person that they're dealing with's fault. You ever, you ever been out and about and, uh, and you're dealing with somebody and uh, maybe you're going through the drive-thru and the person at the drive-thru is real mean to you? It's probably because the person that came behind you or came in front of you. Amen. Uh, it's probably because earlier in the day somebody said something or somebody did something. Or it could be a culmination of the bad things that have happened in their life or the fact that in their life they do not feel loved. Amen. I want to help us here tonight. That we must get a revelation of how dearly loved we are by God. We will never be able to enact this verse and live this verse if we are consistently feeling as if we are illegitimate children of God. That somehow we are less loved, we are less cared for, because we will now treat everybody the way we've been treated. Mm. But when we consider, therefore... When we consider how God has been to us and how loving he's been to us, I can't help but come from this place of abundance, this place of blessing, this place of love, and show forth that same love that God has bestowed on me. I've got to show it to somebody else. Amen. Now, how do I do that? The next phrase he said, in all things. Now, this is the tough one because it's easy to express uh, love and show and do others do unto others in scenarios that it actually makes sense. Somebody apologizes and we say, that's all right, I forgive you. It's a little harder when they've not apologized. In fact, they're not sorry and they'll do it again. And we have to consider how we would like to be treated. He said all things and this was not uh, this was not uh, this was a way of Jesus not giving us an out. There are no outs in this verse, amen, because think about it. All of the law and the prophets are held in this verse. There is no way of getting out of this. See, when people, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they would always find loopholes to the law. This is how they lived. They found and they lived, them, they lived within the loophole. But Jesus wrapped up and shut off every door, every window, every crack, every crevice, every loophole in this to say in all things. In all things means, amen, that, it, that our expression of the golden rule should never be limited. No scenario should limit the golden rule in our lives. In fact, it should relate in all scenarios. It relates in work, amen. It relates in business. It relates in marriage. It relates in friendship. It relates in the church. It relates at Walmart. It relates with people you don't like. It relates with your uncle you don't like. It relates at Thanksgiving when everybody's talking about politics and religion. Amen. I want you to understand that this verse relates to all things. All things. Not one scenario that we can think of is an excuse for us not to live what Jesus has said. Now, I'm going to help us here today. It is, it is going to be a task, and you're going to need, and I'm going to need the help of the Holy Ghost to make this work. Amen. I'm not teaching you things that are easy. I'm not teaching you things that are right. I'm not teaching you the easy way. This is what it really means to be a Christian. And this is the key. He says, in all things, he said, whatever you would want, which means in you, that in every scenario, you are to mirror back to others what you would like to receive if the roles were reversed. Amen. This is very difficult because and this is why there's a holy habit. Because we must, we must be able to be uh, self-aware and we must be willing to be others aware. We must recognize what it is to be in our position, but we must also let God give us the gift of empathy where we can put ourselves in the shoes of somebody else and see it from their perspective. 
Hallelujah. It's not, it's not easy to be a Christian. It's quite difficult. It's easy to say you're a Christian. It's easy for other people to say you're a Christian. It's a lot different to actually be and to live out what Christ lived out and what he told us to live out. This is one of those things when, when you feel so angry and upset, amen, there's something about the Holy Ghost that will get you up out of yourself, amen, put you in somebody else's shoes uh, and ask the question, how would I want somebody to respond to me if it were me? And a lot of people in these all things scenarios have given themselves an out to say, well, I would never have done that. You're right. You have never done that. But everybody has the capacity to do every wicked and evil thing. Everybody. And if you haven't done it, you may do it. And this is where Jesus goes all the way back in his sermon. And he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, I don't need to show mercy because I don't see a position where I'll ever need mercy. You just haven't lived long enough. Amen, because you live long enough, you realize I need mercy. In fact, it's when you scrape your knees and fall, you realize how easy it is to scrape your knees and fall. And you become a lot more gracious and a lot more merciful. And this is why often God, uh, let me, I'm really trying to get this through. This is often why God will allow us to go through trials because he's trying to soften us up to other people. Hallelujah. Because ministry is about other people, and God will often let us go through hell and go through fire and go through trouble because we become so rigid and so hard and we got no mercy for anybody else, no love for anybody else, because all we can see is what we go through and what we experience, and we become so self-focused and self-centered that all we see is from our vantage point, and I'm right and you're wrong, and there's no way you could ever be right, and I, I just refuse to ever see it from your vantage point, and I'm going to live on this side of the fence forever. And so God allows a nice rock to step in our way where we stumble, we trip, we fall, and we recognize how much we need mercy, we need grace, we need love, and all of a sudden it's a lot easier to show it to somebody else. He said, you got to mirror it back. And this is what he says, do unto them. Everybody say do. This is action. He said, now when you do, now go live as if everybody else was you. The Bible says in the last days they will be lovers of their own selves. We always want to be the main character. Everybody's the main character in the story. Anything that happens in life, it's because we see it through our lens. It was about me. It happened to me. Uh, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, it was about you. They cut you off. They did you wrong. Uh, they said it, and it was about you. When the truth is, they were running late to work. They could care less about you. They're not thinking about you because they're the main character in their story as well. Amen. But we make ourselves the main character. And, and in the last days, we're going to be lovers of our, there's people are going to be lovers of their own selves. But Christians are called to be selfless. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow after him. And part of denying self is being willing to step out of self and to look from other people's vantage point and to see things from where they're at. Uh, do you want, what would you do? Amen. In other words, what would you do if you were them? If you were in their boat, what would you want somebody to do for you? And Jesus is saying, do what you would want done. In other words, if we were to break it down, Pray the prayers that you would want somebody to pray for you. It's so easy to gossip about somebody else. It's so easy to run somebody else down, isn't it? it just, man, it flows. It's quick. It's easy. It's in our flesh. We just, man, you run the, the coworker down, run the boss down, you run whoever down. It just comes right off the tongue so easy. Uh, but then you, you, you're asked to pray for them. And all of a sudden, we become Moses with a stutter. Tongue-tied, we can't, uh, well, I can't do that. I can talk about all the things I don't like about them, all the ways I hate them. Uh, but, but, but all of a sudden, ask somebody to, to compliment the one thing they're doing right, we just get, we get choked up. Pray for them. Oh, I, I, I can't really do that. Okay. Well, this is where it's going to get difficult. Pray the prayers that you would want somebody to pray for you. If you were in their situation, it's so easy to look at somebody and say, as we talk about improper judgment, it's so easy to look at somebody from improper judgment and say, well, they deserve it because. It's so easy to criticize. It's a lot harder to drop to our knees and say, God, would you help them? Because if I was ever in that position, this is what Peter was talking about. And Peter got this revelation real early. He said, you that are spiritual, strengthen the one that's fallen in a spirit of meekness considering yourself also. 
He said, for your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion. See, see Peter understood what it was to fall and to fail, to deny Jesus. And it was after that, that crash and burn that all of a sudden Peter had a revelation that, that this happens to everybody and everybody needs love and everybody needs mercy. And so when I help you up, I am also considering myself lest I should fall because I, I am not exempt from the same trial you're going through. And I've seen it happen before. People that are so quick to judge and so quick to criticize somebody else that's in that position. And, and it just seems like God's poetic justice. He lets them go through the same thing. And all of a sudden when they're going through the same thing, they're like, man, give me mercy. Somebody help me out. When Jesus is really trying to teach a lesson to us that if we would see other people from this perspective, put ourselves in their shoes, get out of our shoes. Uh, amen. How would you pray for that individual if it were you? Not how would you criticize, not what would you say to, to tear them down. Uh, let's put it in other terms. Give as you would like to be given to. If you were in the position of the need, would you give, uh, amen, uh, would, how would you give? Love as you would like to be loved. I know that we all want to receive love, but how would we receive that love? Now go show it to somebody else. Uh, show as much mercy and compassion as you would like to receive in life. Be as patient as you would like somebody else to be patient to you. It's so easy to be in the driver's seat, to be in first person, to be the main character and think everybody should show me compassion and mercy. But it's a lot harder to then be the one to show it. Amen. This, Jesus said, is the law and the prophets. Now, to us, this statement is like no big deal. It's just another sentence. But you got to understand what Jesus was saying was borderline blasphemy. They, they worshipped the law and the prophets. Jesus was really giving this verse the utmost and highest importance. And Paul later quotes it, really defines it out in Galatians, when he says that all of the Old Testament is resting on this, that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is the essence of the entire Old Testament. If we were to take this and apply this and be perfect at it, we would fulfill the entire Old Testament. All 37 books would be complete if we would follow this one sentence. Think about that for a minute. Basically, Jesus is saying, all that I have taught you about the true meaning of the Old Testament is summed up. It is fulfilled by living out the golden rule. Jesus is commanding citizens of the kingdom of heaven to strive to live by this standard. In doing so, they will surpass, not they might, not they could, they will surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. In other words, the command of Jesus demands a standard of conduct that surpasses what is normally expected. This is a command that can only be fulfilled by those that have been filled with God's Spirit. You and I will never be able to live this without being filled with the Holy Ghost. I cannot love you as God loves you without being filled with God's love. I cannot forgive you as God forgives you without being filled with the Holy Ghost, which is God's forgiveness upon my life. So when people try to live this by their own religiosity, it is impossible. You will never accomplish it. This is why we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is why we must build up our faith praying in the Holy Ghost. We must walk in the Spirit. We must live in the Spirit. Our mind must be transformed by the Spirit. Every bit of this, when I go to work, I need the Spirit because I'm going to encounter somebody that needs me to live this. can't do it without God. You cannot do it without God. You cannot do it without God. There's people that say, well, I'm a good person. You cannot truly live this without the Holy Ghost. It is impossible. This, this, this rule is, it bids us to consider the interests of others as well as our own. It is introspective and it is also external. We are looking inward and we are looking outward. Amen. Uh, this, this verse is telling us that we we must test our motives. We must test our conduct. Amen. And then we must see how it applies to other people. Amen. We are in one thought to change places with the other person. We put ourselves in their shoes 
and we treat every scenario as if it was happening to us. But instead of it being from our vantage point, it's from theirs. This is very difficult. Others throughout history have said this statement. They've quoted the golden rule. Uh, other religions have, have tried to, to tag on this. But they've done it from the negative. They've done it from the passive. Uh, let me help you understand that. This is what it would read from their perspective. If you don't like it for yourself, don't do it to them. Most people interpret the golden rule that way. But that is not what Jesus said. Modern phrases are like this. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's from the negative. That's from the passive. That's a don't. Amen. We tell people what not to do. But Jesus didn't tell us what not to do. Jesus told us what to do. Jesus, in contrast to the Jewish rabbis and other religious teaching, made this a positive, active command. Jesus enriched its meaning by going beyond the passive restraint into active benevolence and active love. Christianity is not simply a matter of abstinence from sin, but it is also a positive goodness in action. Amen. I want to help us understand Christianity is not just passive. It is not just a restraint. It is not just withholding. But Christianity is also in the going. Christianity is also in the doing. Christianity is also in the speaking. Christianity is also in the... Whew. It's not just the not do. It's not just the thou shalt not. But Christianity is also found in the thou shalt. Hallelujah. Amen. In doing so, Jesus makes the command so much broader. It is the difference between not breaking traffic laws and doing something positive like helping a stranded motorist. Now, let me help you. Don't break motorist laws. Don't, don't, don't. Make sure you put on your blinker. Amen. Don't just cross across five lanes of traffic at 95 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour, 15-mile-an-hour school zone. Run over a couple kids. Don't do that. Amen. But it's, it's more than just passivity and, and a negative of thou shalt not, but it in, introduces a thou shalt. You see somebody on the side of the road, how would you feel? Jesus told an entire parable about a man that was wounded on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he says that there came by a priest, saw the man, and stepped on the other side of the road said, not me. Better him than me. The Levite, another religious person, another churchgoer, saw him and said, nope, I don't want to get involved in that. And, uh, and, and one by one, people came by. They saw this man, and all they could think about is, if I get involved in this man's situation, what's going to happen to me? But finally, a Samaritan came by and said, this man's still got a little bit of life left in him, and if I don't get involved, he might lose that life. He was not concerned with self. He put himself in that man's position. If I was on the side of the road, how would I want somebody to help me? Amen. This especially applies to Christian fellowship. If we would experience love and how people reach out to us, we must reach out to others. I'm going to get on some stuff for a minute. Hey, I want to tell you that this is a two-lane highway. Yes, it is. It's a two-lane highway. If you want friends, the Bible says you must show yourself friendly. There are people that they expect others to do for them that which they will not do for others. Well, I, I expected people to show up at my door, knock on my door, and please make sure I make it to every single service. Well, I'm waiting for the door to knock at my door. Praise God. It's so easy to expect out of others that which we want, but it's a lot harder to now enact that which we would want. Amen. If we would want it, Jesus is saying, now go out and do it. If you would, if you would feel good about it, it's time for you to put it in action. Uh, and, and instead of saying, well, I wish somebody else would, uh, God put it on your heart. Amen. God put it in your spirit. Somebody said in the area in which you are most bothered, most offended, it's, it's usually an opportunity at ministry for you. God is now giving you an opportunity to fix a broken system. If you notice that something is not being done, Jesus is saying, go out and do it. Amen. Don't wait on somebody else to do it. Don't ask for somebody else to do it. Don't even expect somebody else to do it. Jesus is saying it's time for you to be the proactive one that gets out and lives this. 
That's a lot. It's a lot easier to say, I wish somebody else would. Man, I wish somebody would do this for me. Well, find somebody that you could do it for. <laughs> and if you will do it for them, it could very well be that you doing that, somebody sees your example, and in your time of need, they come by and do it for you, or somebody else does it for you. Amen. So Jesus is making this command real broad. Amen. I want to help us here today. We are so good at restraint in Christianity, especially in the apostolic movement. I get it. I get it. It's, it's a lot easier to tell people what not to do. It, it is. It is. Because people kind of want to know, just tell me where the line is. Don't do this. Don't do that. The challenge is, is that Christianity was never meant to be like that. That's, that, that is, we, there are things we don't do. But the reason we don't do certain things is because we're too busy doing other things. Yeah. <laughs> it, and and I, I, this is a candy stick, but I, I got to get off on it for a minute. Because if we're so conscientious about what we don't do and we make everything, well, is this going to send me to hell? Uh, the better question is, is how does is this, this help my relation with Jesus? Is this bringing me closer to God? Instead of, well, what can I get away with? No, it's saying, help me to understand what I should be doing. You know, there's people that say, well, what can I do? I, I got a better thing for you. Let's talk about the areas you can do. And if you'll focus on what you can do, you won't have time for all the stuff you can't do. Well, I, well can I get out there? And, well, I, I can't go smoking, and I can't go drinking, and I can't go out to the party. Let's make a deal. You have an hour prayer meeting, fast one day a week, Come to church every service. Come to every prayer meeting. Get in your Bible every single day. Get a Bible study with somebody and tell them about Jesus. <laughs> People aren't ready for this. <laughs> and then feel free if you got time left over. to get, Now, I'm not, I'm not giving anybody license to sin. People sin without a license. Amen. Uh, they do it without a license. But what I am saying is if people see everybody that say, well, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I can't. Well, if you would go out and do the things you can do, you wouldn't have time for the things you can't do. You wouldn't be concerned with it. If you're busy being a good spouse, you don't have time getting an, uh, somebody on the side. Amen. If you're doing what you ought to do in your relationship, you just don't, you don't have to worry about, it. well, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, even if I could, I ain't got the time for it. Well, praise God. Amen. There's some folks that, well, I just, I just, well, I just can't, I can't, I can't. You know, Paul's put it this way, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. I, just because I can do everything, just because it's lawful or I, I can get away with it, doesn't mean I should. Man, we're real good at talking about restraint and abstaining from things. And, and that's just how we grow in our walk with God. That's where we start. We grow in God just like we do when we're children. The first learn, word most kids learn is not mom or dad. It's the word no. Amen. And we learn that word just like we do as children in God. We often learn the word no before we learn the word yes. Amen. The Bible tells us that we should live lives abstaining, amen, and living lives of restraint. The Bible says that we should abstain from fleshy lusts. The Bible says that we should deny ourselves, that we should deny our flesh. The Bible is calling us to take up our cross. The Bible is calling us to live a life of restraint. It is healthy when somebody can say no to their flesh. It is healthy when somebody can say no to retaliation, when somebody can say no to revenge, when somebody can say no to bitterness. It is, it is a good thing when you can say the word no. But if you stop there, your walk with God has become stunted. And there are, entire, there are entire groups of people that they have been stunted with the thou shalt not. They never moved on to the thou shalt. They have, they have lived their whole lives, and if you don't want it done, don't do it for others. So I abstain from punching you because I don't want to be punched. Right? I mean, we, we, we basically have boiled it down to that. Well, I don't want it, so I'm not going to do I'm not going to do it to you. But that is not what Jesus is calling us to. It's a higher level. This is a deeper level, folks. This is the deep things of God right now. Amen. Nobody we if we had chandeliers, nobody'd be swinging from them right now. But this is deep. This is deep because if we'd actually live this, we'd be a whole lot deeper. And as we live this, we will be a lot deeper. Amen. Because it is not the end of the commandment. Amen. We must also learn to say yes. We must not only abstain, but we must learn to act. We must learn to do. We must know what not to do. Yes, 
But the Bible always puts things in a positive and an affirmative. Train up a child in the way they should go. How do we always read that in the negative? Well, tell them not to smoke, not to drink. Not to, that's not what that verse says. It means when you come to a fork in the road, you tell them the right way to go. And we have become so proficient because it's quick and it's easy to tell people what not to do that they're real good at calling out, well, I don't do this no more and I don't do that no more and that's wrong and that's a sin and that's a sin. But when you ask them what is righteous and what is good and what would benefit somebody else, it's like trying to find the path is a little difficult. The Bible is not saying if you train your kid to be an apostolic, they'll be an apostolic. No, it's saying that if you will teach them proper judgment, that as you walk through life, you tell them, hey, listen, this is the blessed way. That's the right way to go. If you go that way, things will turn out well for you. They're already going to know, don't go this way. Amen. In other words, it's showing them where they can find the carrot on the stick. You put it in the right direction and they'll go for it. You show them this is the way you should go. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that you just refrain and abstain. He's saying you go out and do the right things and do the good things. And you don't have to worry about the bad things because you're too busy doing the right things. When somebody hits you, as Jesus talked about, don't just restrain yourself from hitting back. That's where some people stop their Christianity. Well, I didn't punch him back. Well, praise God. You're, you know, and I get it. I get it. Listen, there was a time where in my, when I was first living for God that I had, I had a list of don'ts. I did. I had a list of don'ts because I needed to know, okay, it's not a good thing to, to, to drop the F-bomb in front of Pastor Mayo. You, you think I'm joking. Uh, man, I, I didn't know. I didn't know any better. So I was like, okay, don't cuss at church. So I started cussing at home. Or I, I should say I continued cussing at home. And then I got to the place where I was like, you know what? You shouldn't say that word at all. Don't. But there comes a point in your walk with God where you mature and you get to a deeper level where you start thinking about what you should be doing. Not just what we should refrain and abstain from doing. What should I be doing? What should I be acting? What should? Uh, yes, I didn't hit them back. I, I get it. I get it. I've, I've had to live that one. Don't, don't hit them back. Don't punch them. I've had to live that. Don't swing back. But eventually we got to go to another level where Jesus said, turn the other cheek. What is that really saying? That is saying that we are to actively give them another chance to start over. Hallelujah. It's not saying, it's not saying, I hope you get beat and get two black eyes. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you are to be proactive, amen, in this golden rule that if you were the one hitting, would you want them to swing back and punch you? Would you want them to restrain from punching you? Or would you like them to give you another chance because maybe you were rash in your swinging? Amen. Do you let them, you give them another chance to strike or not strike? Uh, you know, the, the, the phrase that we use in, in, in one of the quotes we use in modern language is once bitten, twice shy. That is not a Christian ethic. We enact the golden rule. We enact, if they strike you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Amen. We must be proactive in our response. What would I want done to me if I did this to them? If I punch them, amen, uh, what would I want in a response? I've now put myself in a position, and we've all been the puncher before. I know we don't like to act like it. We've all been the one that did the hitting. We've all been the one that threw out a, a snide comment. We've all been the one to, to say something we regretted immediately once it came out of our mouth. And, and, and now we know what it is for somebody to no longer want to talk to us, no longer want to be around us. Uh, and, it, and it hurts. It doesn't feel good, even though we may deserve it. Amen. And in those moments, how would you really like to be treated? I'll tell you how I'd like to be treated. When I slip up and I make a mistake, I would like people to give me a second chance. I'd like people to give me a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. I didn't say I deserved it. I didn't say it was right. I didn't say it was the only way. I'm just saying if it were me, I'd like somebody else to give me another shot. Because maybe I didn't mean to hit you. Maybe I did it in a rash moment when I wasn't thinking. I was emotional. I'd like a second chance to, uh, to not do it. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen. I would want another chance to make it right. Amen. Now, not everybody will make it right. Let me clarify this. Just because you live the golden rule doesn't mean everybody else will. We don't live the golden rule as an exchange system. 
okay, I was nice to you, now be nice to me. Because you're going to find out that doesn't work. No, you're going to be forgiving, and they're going to do it again. And you're going to be loving, and they're going to hate on you. And you're going to be kind and giving, and they're going to take, and they're going to step on you. They're going to push you over, use you as a stepping stone, and, and forget you ever existed. But what do you do? You keep living this because it's right. If it were me, I'd want the benefit of the doubt. If it were me, I'd want a second chance. Therefore, I give to them what I would want. I'm not saying we do this all the time. Amen. From the pulpit to the pew, I'm on everybody's level, probably lower. I don't always live this, but we should. Amen. We should be attempting and striving to make this a habit of our lives that we live every day. The worldwide application of this rule would put a stop to all injustice and all wrong. If everybody lived this, the world would be perfect. This is what Galatians is telling us. It would lead us to seek the highest good for other men. It would help us to find the good even in the lowliest because we would want everybody to see good in us if it were us. Amen. The thoroughly applying of this golden rule would end all conflict between employees and their boss. Because it would give the employer a deep loving interest in the individuals that he employs because he would put himself in their position. And he would lead, it would lead him to think of their good in all ways. It would also help the employee to have a desire for the prosperity of his employer and an interest in his business. Amen. This is where, where Paul talked to Timothy. He said that you got to be, if you do it, amen, in word or in deed, do it all as if you're doing it for Jesus. Amen. you got to work as if you're working for the head honcho Jesus. When you work for your boss, you got to act as if, what if I was the boss? You know the people who get promoted are the ones that act, they don't act in the bad way like they're the boss. They act like the good way they're the boss. Amen. They act as if it's their company. The best employees are the ones that act like it's their company, and they treat it as such. They don't want the company losing money. Amen. So they're not going to steal from their time card. They want to make sure that the company does well, so they're trying to make sure they abide by what the company's put out there. And the best employers are the ones that live this rule because they know what it is to be an employee, and they want to treat their employees as if they amen, were subservient. It would end all strife in families. It would end all strife in communities. It would end all strife in nations. It would end all strife in marriages. If we would, well, I only see it from my perspective. Well, I get it. We all do that. But can we take a minute, step out? What would I do? How would I want to be handled in this moment? Amen. And here's the difficult part about this entire lesson. We got to live it. We got to live it. The golden rule was not meant to just be something that, that teachers talk about. It wasn't just be something that, that we put in the Sunday school. It wasn't just be something that we, that we talk about once in church and we never talk about it again. This is something we must implement. I promise you, if we will get this in our bones, uh, it will make us better people. I guarantee God will bless everything that we do because we are fulfilling and living up to, amen, he said the very essence of the Old Testament the golden rule is like a pocket knife. It is always ready to be used, even when there's uh, no time to ask for advice. It's like a Swiss Army knife. It will fit in every scenario. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Amen. Jesus provides a rule that can be used in every scenario on earth. I don't care what you're dealing with, who you're dealing with. You can plug this in and apply it right away. And you can start saying, okay, I know I see it from my perspective, but let me step out of my perspective, get into their shoes, and Lord, would you help me to see it from their perspective. If I was the one, uh, amen, that was, was being perpetrated against, uh, how would I handle this? How would I want to deal with this? If I was the perpetrator, how would I deal with this? How, how would I handle this? Now, they may not live up to it, but they're not full of the Holy Ghost. I am. They may not live this, but they're not a Christian. I am. And it changes the game, folks. When we start going out of the world, amen, the Bible doesn't say Jesus went out in the world and didn't do evil. 
That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Amen. Church, we got to get out of the mindset that says we just don't do evil. And we got to get in the mindset that says we go out and do some good. If there's good to be done, the church is doing it. If there's good to be done, Holy Ghost filled people are the ones doing it. We're enacting our faith. We're enacting our Christianity. It's not passive. It's positively moving. It's active. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Let's stand all across the building. Come on, let's lift up our voice and let's magnify Jesus. Come on, do in all things. Amen, do in all things, do. Because God's been so loving and so gracious and so good. God has been so powerful to you. God has been so good to you. Because of that, do the same thing for others. God's already poured into your bucket. Now take the water in your bucket and pour it into somebody else's. Jesus lays down this general principle for our guidance in all doubtful scenarios. You know, you don't always have time to ask for opinions and advice. You don't. You don't always have time for a nice counseling session. Sometimes you really need to get down and just say, you know, we asked the, the old phrase back in the day was, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Sometimes we have to step out of our shoes, out of their shoes, and step into Jesus' shoes. Say, all right, what would Jesus do? People used to put it on a wristband. Amen. I know it was kind of kind of lame, but I think if we, we started living that a little bit better, it would change things. If we started thinking, man, you know what? I know what I would do. <laughs> I know what my flesh would do. I, I'd swing back. That's what my flesh would do. Amen. Maybe not you. You're blessed and saved, and God bless you. But I know what my flesh would do. I know what my See, y'all think I'm just nice. I, I'm Brother, I'm just prayed up. <laughs> Amen. Uh, hood is not just a, a last name. Amen. I'm just prayed up. So you know, you know, there's some people that, well, you just, you're just a better person. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not a better person. I just have, I just prayed through in the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> I get offended just like you. Mm. Hey, I get bitter. You know, there's people get bitter at the pastor. The pastor gets bitter at the people. It goes both ways. Here's the difference. I choose not to stay bitter because I don't want you to be staying bitter at me. I got a mouth, and it works real well. And I could say all sorts of things and use the tool that God gave me in a negative way and just rip somebody up, tear them down, and make them feel less than human. I could do that, but I sure don't want anybody doing that to me. But I've also got the ability to lift somebody up and that's what I want to do let me rephrase that I don't always want to do that but that's what I have chosen through the Holy Ghost to do I'm not just refraining or restraining from what I want to say I'm going to find something else to say Amen. I'm not just going to withhold. Amen. I, I'm not just going to withhold. I'm going to go out and find the thing that should be done, that could be done that I wish was done Amen. And I'm going to try to live the life. What would happen in ARC? I believe that this is a loving church. This is a kind church. Amen. People come and they feel so loved. I hope they do. I hope they feel bubbly. I, feel, I hope they get goosebumps and feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Uh, but I also hope that we can take and apply this so deeply that when we're, you know, we can be real good to sinners, but we can be real mean to one another. Man, we can be really, really good to our friends, but when we go home, we're not very nice to our spouse. What would happen if we just turned this on its head? Said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you the way I want to be treated. In this scenario, in every scenario, I'm going to try to find the place where the, what would be the right thing. I know what I want to do. I want revenge and I want retaliation. But I'm going to put myself in your shoes. And if I were you, I'd want forgiveness and mercy. We are not called to do unto others as they have done unto us. Or we assume they have, would do unto us. We are to do unto them as we would want them to do unto us. We are to, this is real Christianity. This is the golden rule. Amen. We do not for, merely forbid all practice of malice and revenge, cheating and overreaching. We go so much further than that. We, set, we settle all areas of conflict we settle all areas arising between individuals amen we put down a law that is greater than the old testament that says find what is good and go do it 
Hallelujah. Now, who here would like $100? Praise God. Me too. I ain't got it, so let's live it, brother. Come on. See? It's easy to say, I want it, but what about doing it? This is where we need the Holy Ghost to start transforming some things. Where it says, you know what? I sure would like some, you know what? If you're the person that says, I want somebody to come shake my hand, go shake their hand. Go find somebody. You'd be shocked, but I just solved some counseling, amen, in the church. If you want somebody to shake your hand, go shake their hand. Praise God. You want somebody to talk to you? Want, to be, want somebody to be friends with you? Go be their friend. Go talk to them. Amen. Now, they may not reciprocate, but you are enacting this rule. If you want 100 bucks, go hand somebody 100 bucks. You may never get $100 from them. It may never come back in that way, but God will look down from heaven, and he will put a blessing upon you because you are living what he put forth. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I'm done teaching here tonight. Come on, let's pray right now. I want you to think about maybe some scenarios in your life. What would you want them to do for you? Come on. I know, I know, I know what you want to do to them, but what would you want them to do for you? I know you want to holler and scream at them. I know, I know you would like to beat them over the head with a stick, but what would you like them to do for you? You'd like them to, to listen. You'd like them to be understanding. You'd like them to be empathetic. You'd like them to be sympathetic. You would like them to show love. You would like them to be giving. Uh, amen. Now's the time to say, Lord, give me the strength uh, to do it for them. Uh, give me the strength to show the same love I want. Give me the strength to show the same mercy that I want. Give me the strength to be proactive in my faith. How many situations would really be settled if we enacted this basic principle? I venture to say 100%. We all. If we all. So now is where Christianity comes into place. We're going to come down to the front. We're going to pray. I want you to come. And here's what we're going to pray. I want you to pray about areas where you can do unto others. What can I do for the person that has offended me? What can I do for the person that lied about me? What can I do for the person? What, what can I give them? What can I bless them with? What can I help them with? So the person that ran me down, that could care less if I lived or died, what can I do for them? Maybe it's not somebody that's ever done anything bad to you, but maybe it's just somebody in your life, and you start thinking about your spouse. What can I do to make my spouse's life better? If I were in their shoes, uh, it might be doing the dishes. It might be taking out the trash, uh, because you would sure like for somebody to do that for you. It might be going and taking the car to get washed, uh, because you would like somebody to do that for you. These are basic, uh, but if we apply them, it'll change our lives. Come on, I want you to pray all across this house in my walk with God, in my walk, amen, amongst my coworkers. How would I want my coworkers to be? What do I want my work environment to be like? I'm going to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. I'm going to change the temperature. I'm going to change the atmosphere. I'm not going to be changed by it. Come on, I want you to pray right now. No doubt the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has already given ideas to somebody. You know somebody don't like you. Amen. I, I want you to go and make it your life's mission. Now, they may never like you, but I want you to make it your life's mission. If you were them, what would you do for them? Amen. You'd love them. Amen. You'd pray for them. You'd be giving to them. Amen. You'd be, you'll be shocked to find out how many hearts will turn, how many lives will be changed. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody pray about activity. What can I do? What can I do? Not, not what I shouldn't be doing. What can I do? What should I be doing? What action should I take? What word should I speak? I know it's wrong to run them down, but maybe it'd be right for me to talk them up. Maybe it'd be right for me to encourage them. Maybe it'd be right for me to lift up my voice and pray for them. To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus.
Jesus. This is what Christianity is. This is what being like Jesus is. has put somebody in your mind that has been very difficult to work with them. I want you to pray for them right now. Pray for them as if you were them. How would you want to be prayed for? That's it. Lift up your hands all across this building. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Come on, this is easier to talk about. It's a whole lot harder to live it, but it's possible with the Holy Ghost. It's doable with the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to pray about an action plan. Come on, God, give me a give me a Holy Ghost-filled response for that individual. Give me a Holy Ghost-filled action plan that I can take for that individual. Lord, how can I how can I put myself in their shoes, God, and see it from an empathetic empathetic state of mind, God? Hallelujah, where I see them with compassion, Jesus. Hallelujah. When you look at the gospel, we are seeing this golden rule enacted in Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us that through his sacrifice we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Think about this for a minute. He stepped off his throne. How easy would it be to stand up in heaven and say, you bunch of rotten sinners. Yep. No good. I'm going to get him. Lake of fire. That would have been easy. But he exemplified. He didn't just teach this rule. He exemplified it in the gospel message. He left his throne and became in the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't sin, but he became like us. He put himself in our shoes. He knows what it is to be hungry now. So when somebody who's hungry cries out to him, he looks down and says, man, I know what that's like. He's going to take care of them. Jesus knows what it's like. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are. Everything you've gone through, Jesus has encountered and experienced. And he knows how, it, how to put himself in your shoes. That's why the Bible says the Holy Ghost helps us. It helps our infirmities. Why? Because he knows what it is to be going through infirmities. And Jesus can put himself in your shoes. 
And he can even enact his own rule and say, what would I do for them? They're sick in their body. I don't want to be sick. Let me heal them. Amen. Jesus enacts this in us. How hard is it for us to receive good things? Not difficult at all. But here's where Christianity comes into play. Everybody can receive good things. But Christianity is those that go out and give the good things. He said, you are the light of the world, which means I'm not waiting for somebody else to turn on a flashlight. Man, it's, you know, some people are like this. It's dark in here. You know, that people in the church, it's too hot. It's too cold. Listen, we're never going to settle that battle. If it's cold, bring a coat. We're just never going to settle that battle. Because somebody, somebody is a little extra blessed, and they're going to be all right. It's too hot. Everybody's got a nice thermometer. My job is terrible. The boss is bad. Everything. Hey, there's a bunch of gossip in the workplace. Right? The church is this. The church is that. Everybody got a good thermometer. But Jesus has called us to be thermostats. Lights in the darkness. So what happens when you turn on a light in the darkness? Darkness flees. And when we go out and we enact what we have been learning, and we start going out and doing good. Not just waiting for good to happen. Not just wishing good would happen for us. But we find areas where good would be needed. Where light is needed. And we start shining the light. Oh, I'm telling you. That's revival, folks. That's Christianity. Somebody lift up your hands all across this house and we pray. Lord, I pray, help us to turn up the temperature, God. Turn up the heat in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to enact this. This is beyond just restraining from doing evil. This is the proactive and the affirmative. This is the action of doing good. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be motivated to go out and do good. Lord, not just to not be darkness, but Lord, help us to go out and be light. Lord, not just to, amen, to go out and actually be the salt of the earth. Uh, amen. God, not just to, amen, to be, to not be everything else in this world, but Lord, help us to go out and to do and to be and to enact our faith, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help make this part of who we are. And everywhere we go, Jesus, we change the atmosphere. Somebody give him praise all across this building. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Now here's the Bible. Go and do. Amen. There's your altar call. Go out and do. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another as you would like to be loved. In Jesus' name, God bless you.